What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Mm-hmm. We sure do. And we are back with episode number 23 and bonus episode this week. I yeah. don't know what number bonus. Is this it's the third, third one? one. Third yeah. bonus episode. And uh, yeah, in case you couldn't tell from our slightly different intro music because it's fun to do different music it is i agree with you i love it and you know you can't see us but we kind of like dance at our intro music like yeah and and this one's a little just just shakes it up a little bit i kind of like that puts a little pep in my sit (laughs) yeah i'm sitting that is a great way of putting it well with uh today's special bonus episode we still need to ask the age-old question what art thou drinking? I am drinking, I forget the brand. It starts with an S, but it's my one of my favorite brands of tea, and I'm blanking on the name, but I'm drinking the Asian pear variety. Ooh, yeah. And it literally tastes like you are drinking a pear. It's so good. That one is good. Is it uh uh No, it's not that. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's not, so good, though. It's not satin. It's some, It's like five letters, isn't it? So it is Stash brand. Asian Pear Harmony. Go get you a box. Nice. Yeah. And you were correct on the five letters. So I, I knew it. Three and a half gold stars for you. Thank you. Thank you. I There's something special about me and knowing how many letters are in words. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, that's been true at least once it's at least in one our time. marriage. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, I also decided to go with a hot tea. Mm, it's a good and night for it. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I was feeling a little bit self-conscious because I feel like every episode I have an alcoholic beverage mm. and I was just kind of like, oh, I wonder how many people think like I drink a lot. Mm. <laughs> I literally just grab a drink almost exclusively to make a podcast Yeah, because it's fun that way. So I also made a tea. Mine is the vanilla... Something from some kind of brand starts with an H. Yeah. And I'm less concerned about making sure that it's correct because. You can get it at Target. It's in the tins. Yeah, the tins. It's a good one. So it's vanilla something. I threw some other sweet stuff in there. Yum yum. And then I just topped it off with a little bit of rum. Did you really? (laughs) 
Did you seriously? I did. Kevin, <laughs> good grief. <laughs> oh, boy. I like how I set you up, and then I just, like, come in with the misdirection. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I roll. Well, great job. I'm proud yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Yeah. Well, since today is another bonus episode, mm-hmm. you do not have a feel-good fact for us. I don't, but you all can feel good about the fact that we are getting closer and closer to Halloween, which is so fun. Fun! Can we just for a second, I I don't like to go too long in the intros, but can we just for a second appreciate that people all across, however, whatever geography, get dressed up in costume. Yes. And roam about their neighborhoods and everybody just gives each other candy. It's, it's it's honestly the gift that keeps on giving. It is. In our house, it also continues giving through like March. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah. Now, every time we add a kid, the candy stash lasts a little bit longer yeah, sure annually. Does. Even when sure we had does. like teeny tiny infants, we'd be like, oh, they're trick or treating. Mm-hmm. This is for mm-hmm. the child. Except for the Reese's. We're always gone way too quick. Yeah. Never. Well, who them. is guilty of taking the Reese's? 90% it's of the a time. mystery. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, well, are you ready to get into today's bonus episode? I am so ready and I'm so excited. Good. Okay. So we're back with another bonus episode covering as many spooky topics as we can for the month of October. Ooh. I know that we've done a cursed objects episode, which was kind of like lighthearted. We did uh, mysterious disappearances last week. And so for this bonus episode, we're going to cover a more zoomed in cursed object. Mm. So today we're going to be talking about two very famous cursed dolls. Ooh, yeah. Everybody loves a good cursed doll. Or or they don't. Or Or they're terrified of them. Or they really hate them. That's true. That's true. So light a candle and grab yourself a PSL because this one's a doozy. That's right. All right. So we're going to start with Annabelle. Now, as many of you probably know... Annabelle had a sort of spike in public interest when a series of films, The Conjuring films, Mm -hmm. featured Annabelle as as part of the storyline. Yeah. So people were intrigued and frightened by the creepy porcelain doll with the painted eyes and smile. And she even earned herself three spinoff movies. Jeez. So the true story behind Annabelle is, in my opinion, just as creepy and unsettling as the fictional ones. Really? So let's... Hop on in. I literally don't know anything about the real Annabelle, except for I've seen a picture. Of the actual one? The, the actual little like one. raggedy yeah. Ann? Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I saw it in a picture at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. That is. So, Kevin, you are so cultured. I am just so cultured. I'm so established in this in this uh, lore and, and yeah. everything. Right. Well. Annabelle, let's get into it. So yeah, tell me about it. Annabelle's story begins in 1970. So before I officially start this one, I want to share that there are differences in several names in this story. Mm. Like it's one name in half of the sources and then another name in the other half of the sources. Oh, okay. So I'm planning on just picking a name for each of the characters involved and rolling with it so that it keeps it from getting confusing. Yeah, so if yeah. anybody's read or listened to any stories and the names were different, It's because of the sources. Got it. So, all right. Just so that's out there. So anyways, it's 1970. A young nursing student, Donna Bernard, received a Raggedy Ann doll for her birthday. Donna actually loved this doll (laughs) and thought that the doll would do a lot to sort of liven up her apartment that she shared with her roommate, Angie. (laughs) 
like, oh, cool. A smiling doll with bright hair and yeah. clothes to bring some color into the house, yeah. you know? Yeah. I had a little Raggedy Ann and, Ran- and, and Andy the dolls oh, when, you I did? Was, when I was a little kid. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We're learning things today. I know. So things got weird fast with this doll, though. At first, it started out kind of slow. Donna would position the doll on her couch, just so, with her arms and legs stretched out. When she would return home after school or work, though, the doll's arms and legs would be in a completely different position. Hmm. It's like a little subtle thing. Yeah. So this wasn't too frightening, but it would get weirder in the apartment when the doll seemed to be moving herself to different rooms in the home. Oh, yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, so Donna would leave the apartment after placing the doll in her usual spot on the couch, and then she would come home and the doll would be somewhere else, like in Donna's bedroom with the door closed. Ooh, so like Donna's door yeah. was open, doll was on the couch, nobody's home, like Donna's the last one to leave. Yeah, and she'd come home and the doll would ooh, be in the bedroom with the door closed. Yeah. So I don't like that. I also do not like that. My <laughs> Raggedy Ann doll did not do that. That you know of. Yeah, well, that's fair. (laughs) Okay, so things would continue to get weirder and scarier. The girls began finding notes around their home saying things like, help me or help us. A strange thing about the notes is that they were written on a type of paper that they didn't even keep in their home. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were written on like parchment paper, but they did not have parchment paper in their home. Once they walked into a room only to find that the doll was kneeling on her knees by a chair, even though Donna was positive she left the doll on the bed. So they moved the doll back to the bed, but not before trying to position her in that kneeling position again to kind of like test it out. Mm-hmm. It just seemed super weird that like a cloth stuffing doll could kneel. Right. And so every time they tried, the doll would just like slump over. So how it was kneeling, nobody knows. Weird. That would cool. freak me out oh, so much. Oh, Yeah. There are also stories saying that once they came home only to find a strange substance in the back of one of the doll's hands, as well as three dots of the same substance on the doll's chest. It was later determined to be, do you have a guess? Three dots. Blood. Blood. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was blood. Yes. So these experiences. Oh no. (laughs) uh, Yeah. You celebrated (laughs) that. Yeah. Wait. Yay blood. Creepy. There's only a few contexts where like, we're like, yay blood. (laughs) Like, yeah. go donate. If you can yeah. donate blood, go go yeah, donate. Blood. So anyway, these experiences made the girls afraid and left them wondering if there was something supernatural at play here. So they contacted a medium. The medium performed a seance and revealed to the girls that the doll was possessed by the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. Hmm. She was a child who lived and played in that area until her life was tragically cut short. The medium went on to tell them that her lifeless body was discovered on this same property before the apartment was built and that the spirit told her that she had been wandering the fields in the area until she saw the cute doll and thought the doll would be a good place for her to go. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She also told them that the spirit was benevolent. It did not want to hurt anyone. And she asked the girls if she could remain in the doll since she felt safe there. Ooh. Okay. Donna and Angie took compassion on the little girl and allowed her to stay. That is a very odd thing for nursing students or a nursing student and her roommate to just kind of jump into, isn't it? Maybe not. Maybe in the 70s it wasn't. Maybe in the 70s it wasn't. I guess now we have a lot of references to look back on and be like, that's a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) You know, so they brought the doll, which they now called Annabelle, back to their apartment and they began treating her like a full-blown person. Mm -hmm. They offered her a place at the table for meals. They would talk to her, so on. 
This became the new normal for some time until things began to take a darker turn. Angie's fiance, Lou, had several experiences with Annabelle that are pretty wild. So pretty much as soon as Annabelle came into the home, Lou did not like her. Hmm. So before things even got weird or spooky around the apartment, he always got a bad feeling around her. Once things did amp up with the creepy behavior from the doll, prompting the whole seance thing, Lou had advised the girls that they should not keep the doll, and they really shouldn't have welcomed or allowed any spirit into the home at all. Yeah. So, like, reasonable. Yeah, that's, yes. So Lou began having what I think is similar to sleep paralysis. Oh. He would wake up in the middle of the night completely frozen, both in fear and physically frozen as well. He would have recurring nightmares and they would not let up. One night. I know. Poor guy. So one night they took a turn for the worst. Lou woke up one night, panicked and paralyzed. He heard a noise coming from somewhere beyond the foot of the bed where he slept. And that's when he saw her. Annabelle the doll. He claimed that she was crawling towards him by herself. The last thing he remembers before passing out was Annabelle on top of him, hands on his throat, and the feeling of being strangled. What? When he woke up the next day, he was ready for Annabelle to hit the road. But the girls decided they still wanted to hold on to the doll. So he dumped his fiance. If you... Okay, first of all, (laughs) I'm going to stick up for Angie here. Oh my gosh. They think he's dreaming. They think he's having a bad dream. Oh. I feel like some of it is like willful. But but yes, that's the thing. They literally went to a medium who told them there's a spirit in it. Like. Who also told them that the spirit was good. Oh. She doesn't want to hurt anyone. She's just sad. I guess I'm okay. Fair. I also, in this scenario, have seen movies. So. Yeah. Yes. That's a bias. That's hard to like. It is hard. Look past. Yes, that's fair. Okay. Okay, so one more scary experience that Lou had was one day while he and Angie were hanging out in the apartment together. All was sort of ordinary as the pair was looking over some maps, waiting for Donna to get home before they had all planned to go take a road trip together. As they were scanning the maps, they heard a rustling sound coming from Donna's room. Because they were alone in the apartment, Lou's initial thought was that someone had broken into the apartment. He went in to go check it out, and there was nobody in the room. The windows were locked, and it was obvious that no one had broken in at all. Hmm. He did notice Annabelle in the opposite corner of the room. He walked to inspect the room further, and as soon as he got somewhat close to the doll, he said that he got this innate feeling like someone was standing behind him. So he turned around, and just as he did, he felt a searing hot pain on his chest. He grasped at his chest and noticed that he was bleeding. What? Once the strong pain stopped, he took off his shirt and there were seven claw marks, three vertical and four horizontal across his chest. What? Insane. They bled like cuts, but they were hot like burns. And within two days, the slash marks were gone. Weird. Bizarre. Super bizarre. Oh, no, I don't like it. Uh, No, thank (laughs) you. I would like to say no to that. (laughs) So finally, the girls decided that the situation was way out of control. Mm -hmm. So they contacted a priest this time. Once the priest heard all of their claims about the doll, he contacted someone who contacted someone who eventually Mm -hmm. contacted the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine, Mm -hmm. to come and examine the doll to see if they could help. 
So I'm not going to spend really any time talking about the Warrens. We may or may not do some stories about them later. But in the meantime, there are plenty of movies and books Mm -hmm. and YouTube videos that you can watch to learn more about them. The need to know about the Warrens is that they were essentially traveling paranormal investigators. Yeah. Ed was a self-taught demonologist and Lorraine claimed to be clairvoyant. Hmm. So when they got brought in, there were several things that were immediately clear to them about the doll. First, they did not believe that the spirit in the doll belonged to a little girl. They told the girls that spirits don't possess dolls, they possess people. Mm -hmm. They believed something inhuman had attached itself to the doll, manipulating the girls into feeling compassion so that it could eventually possess one of them. So that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It started out small with moving the doll around in hopes that the girls would notice it. Mm-hmm. The worst choice that they made was allowing the medium to make contact with it, effectively opening up the door for the demon to do what demons do. The Warrens told them that all of the strange and scary phenomena that they'd been witnessing was part of a possession process that they'd seen many times over, and that had this gone on for even two more weeks, one of them would have totally ended up possessed. Wow. So the Warrens and the priest who had initially contacted them performed an exorcism of the whole apartment. Hmm. The Warrens also took the doll at Donna's request. She's like, get that thing, (laughs) get that thing, put that thing back where it came from or so help me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's, yeah, the origin of that song is this moment. Yes. I think. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. So anyway. 50 years ago. Yes. So the drive back to their home with Annabelle was eventful. They decided to not take the interstate to avoid high speeds and whatever other, you know, Mm -hmm. accident causing factors that they could avoid. Mm -hmm. But anytime they would hit a curve or a high speed, the car would swerve or stall out or the brakes would suddenly stop working. There were allegedly multiple times that they almost collided with other cars. So Ed, (laughs) I'm laughing at how I phrased this. Ed busted out the old holy water and gave the doll a (laughs) splash (laughs) and the car problems miraculously stopped. Well, that's good. The next few weeks were marked with tons of strange activities coming from the doll. Ed saying that she allegedly would levitate or move around the house. They eventually had a special case built for Annabelle, which they kept in their occult museum in their home in Monroe, Connecticut. Hmm. So for years, Annabelle was one of the creepier objects that guests would always remember from their visit to the museum. Even though the doll stopped moving around, some say that it still got something spooky attached to it. The most famous story about this idea involved a young man who mocked the doll after hearing the origin stories. Ed had asked the young man to leave, and when he did, he actually died in a motorcycle accident that very day. Oh. So whenever I hear those stories, I'm usually a little skeptical, so I don't know if that one's true, but that is a really popular story. Oh, wow. So the last time I checked, the occult museum is closed down. All of the sources that I looked at said that she's still there, but since Ed and Lorraine have both passed away, the museum didn't make sense to keep open since they like to be the ones to give the tours and tell the stories surrounding different objects. Hmm, Interesting. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little confused on that though, because I've also seen videos from somewhat recent videos from the museum. So maybe that's not the case. Hmm. Or it could just be special invitation kind of thing. Yeah. Or like, it feels like certain items are brought to certain events. They're all still Mm. in the same place, but it's not open to the public the same way. Yeah. But events are still taken around for display. Interesting. That's what I think they do. If you know, you can send us a message and I'll let everybody know. Yeah. Yeah. So I do know that Annabelle did 
make some appearances at events from behind her case, and that she has a few appearances that she's making this year. But as far as her current location, I'm assuming that she's still in the museum Mm -hmm. in the back of the home in Monroe, Connecticut. So with this one, there's a ton of details that have been added and taken away since Annabelle has been a character in several fictional but true story movies. Mm. But it's still a fun story. Yeah. So there's a website that I used that compares scenes from the movie with the available facts and eyewitness accounts and stuff like that that I will link along with the official website for the Warrens for you guys to look at. Hmm. So that is the true story of Annabelle the doll. Yeah, that is a fairly horrifying story. <laughs> and uh, it's a man, weird one. I'll, I'll tell you what the the film that they created for that story Um. If you are a horror movie person and you've not seen it, it is a really well done film. I think mm-hmm. it's good and spooky and all the spinoffs and good jump yeah, scares. They, yeah, they did a good job. It's fun. It's also, fun like they that made the Annabelle scary. doll in that series way creepier looking. Yes. Yes. She is. <laughs> although now, now knowing that it's a Raggedy Ann doll, I feel like Raggedy Ann feels creepy to me now. <laughs> now you're like Ugh, Raggedy Ann. What are you doing? Uh, Andy, what are you doing with this girl? Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. She's a little, little sus. A little sus. A little sus. All right. All right. So next, I'm going to tell you another story about another very famous, very creepy doll named Robert the Doll. Oh, okay. I recognize the name of this one, mm-hmm. but I do not know this story. Okay. So the story of Robert the Doll begins in Key West, Florida. So there was a boy named Robert Eugene Otto, who usually went by the name Gene. He was born October 25th, 1900, and he was the youngest of four children born to very wealthy and prominent parents, Thomas and Minnie Otto. So Thomas was a third generation doctor, and Minnie was born to a Bahamian English set of parents, which is basically a fancy way of saying that her parents are of European descent, but they were both born in the Bahamas. Oh, cool. So not like ethnically- If that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. At the time that Jean was born, the family had just recently begun to settle into their home, an incredible Queen and Victoria mansion that they had built just for them in the 1890s. Located at 534 Eaton Street in Key West, the property still stands today and is now called the Artist's House, which Hmm. I'll explain more about that later. Oh, okay. So given the status of the family and the amount of work it took to maintain a home like this one, the Autos had a house staff. So when Gene was around four years old, he was gifted a very special friend, a life-size doll, which he named after himself, Robert. (laughs) Standing three foot, four inches and made of fabric, black button eyes and stuffed with like a cork-like material, Robert was truly one of a kind. Hmm. There are some discrepancies on where Robert was actually from. Some versions of the story say that Gene's grandfather brought the doll over from Germany. The interesting thing about Robert... Well, I guess one of the interesting things about Robert is that he was designed by the man who designed the first teddy bear. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Robert was handmade out of a cork and wool substance and then sewn together with little black button eyes. He was originally intended to be used as a window display of clown and gesture dolls. But somehow (laughs) Grandpa Otto managed to buy the doll for his grandson. Others say that a disgruntled member of the house staff had somehow gotten a hold of this doll and put a hex on it using some form of Bahamian black magic. Hmm. 
It sounds like the autos weren't exactly fair or kind employers, whichever story is true. So it's not hard to guess why someone would get fed up and, you know, bust out some Bahamian black magic. So either way, (laughs) Robert was given to Jean, who was instantly attached to his new friend. Mm -hmm. We know how kids are with their favorite stuffed animals or toys. Yeah. They love it. They sleep with it. They want to take it everywhere. Yes. It's like part of their life in yes. a very deep and meaningful way. Yeah. Our kids literally have done that with about 80 stuffed animals and mm-hmm. dolls in the course of their lives. Oh, yeah. Time, so. 100%. So it seemed like this was the case with Jean and Robert, but like to the nth degree. Hmm. Not only did they do everything together, but Jean treated Robert almost like a younger sibling. Hmm. They did everything together. Jean would have full-blown conversations with Robert. They would sit together at the dinner table. Both of them would get tucked into bed together. Every activity Robert could possibly be included in, he was. Initially, Jean's parents thought that this friendship was sweet and that it was good for their youngest son to have a playmate. Yeah. They were so supportive of their friendship that they actually dedicated a whole room in the house to Robert, a room called a turret room. Hmm. So a turret room was pretty common at the time in like mansion and castle homes that were being constructed. So they sort of look like a tower with like wrap around windows. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the turret room was decked out just for Robert. That's really a cool room. It concept. is. I am sad that I don't have one of those. I know. I wish I had one. <laughs> so the auto set up toys and furniture for Robert. Like literally the doll had his own toys, including his own teddy bear. <laughs> so all of this was initially sort of like a cute gesture, but no. it would not stay cute. <laughs> So I'm not sure when the weirdness surrounding Robert first began, but things were definitely not normal. From what I gathered, the weirdness did start out small. His parents would hear giggling in the house that they knew didn't come from any of their kids. Mm. I'm like, you know how it is. We can tell which kid of ours is walking. Right. You know, you can tell. And when when we were kids, we could tell which parent was coming up the stairs. You know, you know your kids' voices and movements and all that kind of stuff. So... Anyway, they left it alone at first because they thought maybe Gene was sort of just changing his own voice to give Robert a voice. You know, (laughs) kids also do that. But eventually the giggling turned into intense laughter and even speaking. Oh, hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that. So the absolutely nightmarish thing about the laughter and the talking is that the parents claimed that the voice that they were hearing was far too low to be coming from Jean or any other child. Oh, can you imagine here? Just like picture that for a second. You hear your kid giggling in the other room Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you hear another voice from the other room and it's like a deep man voice. Yeah, I would be. I would lose it. Ooh, that is so scary. Yeah, so the first crazy. time that they heard this deep, low voice, they sprinted into the room thinking that someone broke in and was harming Jean. But they'd walk into the room and there would be no one there besides Jean and Robert playing in the room together. They check and double check only to confirm that it legitimately seemed like the noise was coming from Jean or Robert. Like, is mm. this actually what's happening here? And they also discovered that all of the windows and doors were secured and tightly locked, meaning there wasn't a possibility that there was a stranger in the home. Just Gene and Robert. Yeah. So things would continue to get scarier. The parents would hear loud booms and crashes coming from the turret room. They'd hear a crash and then the sound of something dragging. They'd return to the turret room to investigate only to find that the furniture had been moved or completely overturned. Toys and fixtures in the room would be scattered or like 
out of place. Weird. Oh, no. Yeah. And every time the parents would ask Gene what happened, he always had the same answer. Quote, Robert did it. Hmm. Every time something was amiss, Gene would always say that Robert did it, claiming he'd seen Robert pull off some pretty wild feats, like moving heavy things that were way bigger and heavier than the doll was himself. Which is not cool, but the parents thought that maybe Gene was acting out or that, like, maybe if he had an overactive imagination thing going on. Yeah. Because, like, you know how that is. Yeah. Sometimes we let our uh, imaginative play get out of hand. So anyway, that rationalization does sort of make sense. It's normal for kids to do weird things at different stages of development or when there are certain stressors in their lives or Mm -hmm. whatever. But on the other hand, they themselves were also hearing and witnessing so many strange things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, I don't know, it's hard to know putting myself in their shoes if I would have handled it the same way. But like, I think hearing the laughter and the man voice would have been like it for me. That would have been like the final straw. (laughs) So anyways, these strange occurrences would only continue to get scarier. Gene began to suffer from night terrors, and they always seemed to somehow center around Robert the doll. Mm. His parents would come running whenever they heard Gene crying or screaming from his room, and they would always arrive to the same scene, Gene and Robert alone in the room, with Gene being completely inconsolable. Yes. So it was getting like serious on top of getting creepy. So when Gene was around 10 years old, his parents woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of his screams from the bedroom. They ran to his room to discover that the bedroom door was locked. They frantically worked to get the door open as they heard not only Gene's screams, but also the sounds of a huge commotion, like furniture and other things being thrown around the room. When they finally got the door open, the room was an absolute disaster. Pretty much nothing was where it was supposed to be, with upturned furniture, toys, books, and fixtures tossed all around the room, and then poor Gene at the top of his bed, curled up and frozen in fear. And Robert the doll, sitting at the foot of the bed. Gene told his mom what happened. He said that he woke up to Robert staring at him from the foot of the bed, and then suddenly the room had erupted into chaos. Concerned that her son was maybe acting out, or that... This night terror thing was escalating in such a way that Gene was responsible for making the mess in his sleep. Minnie asked him again, okay, but who actually did this? And Gene replied with his staple answer. Robert did it. Jeez. Oh. Mm -hmm. So the terrifying weirdness surrounding Robert was far from over. Not long after the scary nighttime incident, Robert began moving around the house, seemingly on his own. Like Gene would put Robert in the turret room He'd set him up with his toys and all of that, and when he'd return later to come and get him, he wouldn't be in the turret room, but instead he'd be sitting in Gene's rocking chair in his bedroom, appearing to be looking out the window. This started becoming sort of commonplace that Robert would move all over the house. It seemed like he was set on looking out of the windows for whatever reason. It was also commonplace for a certain amount of time that even neighbors or passersby would notice Robert peering with his little black beady eyes at them from the window. There would be multiple incidents that people outside of the Otto family would witness. I just think about any time that I've ever been walking through our neighborhood. I look over and there's a child looking out their window at all. It <laughs> oh. like freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let, in, let, let alone a doll. Yeah. No way. Ugh. Yeah, so, like, people that were not members of the home 
would mm-hmm. would start seeing things. Mm-hmm. So there's a handful of creepy stories, but the one that got me was when a plumber had come into the auto home to work on it. He'd made a mental note of the creepy doll surrounded by a pile of toys that was sitting by the window. He got to work, but was interrupted by the sound of like hysterical children's laughter coming from somewhere in the house. He looked around wondering if the family had come home because they weren't home when he had arrived, but he found nothing except for Robert who had moved himself to a different window. No. Stories like that one always get me because like what motivation would a guy like this have to make up this story? And how would he have even known that there was something weird going on with the doll at all? You know what I mean? So toys and other items left alone with Robert would mysteriously break or be found ripped apart. Many people swore they saw Robert's expressions change right in front of them. Members of the family would be minding their own business when suddenly they'd see a blur out of the corner of their eye, only to turn around and see Robert running down the hall or climbing the stairs. No, like a Chucky doll. (laughs) For real. Oh my gosh. They'd continue hearing the giggling around the house. They'd intentionally put Robert somewhere to kind of test out to see Mm -hmm. if he was moving by himself. And then they'd find him in another room once again, always looking out a window. So needless to say, this was beginning to take a mental and emotional toll on the entire family. Yeah. For everyone besides Gene, who still insisted on carrying Robert around and taking care of him for quite some time. Mm. Things were so intense in the home that Robert eventually began gaining a reputation in the community. Okay, so I didn't see this part everywhere, but I feel like this idea would make sense here. Okay. Perhaps the autos themselves were gaining a reputation in the community. Considering that this Mm. is like a multi-generational family of wealthy doctors. Sure. It was kind of something they couldn't afford to have happen. So having the whole community thinking that you guys are like blaming bad things happening to you on a doll. Hmm. Is a thing. So like some people, some people do speculate if like, there were other factors in the auto family life and like the healthiness mm-hmm. of the dynamic of the family oh, okay. or maybe yeah. in career practice that yeah. like, so they had to make up another story right? in order to cover up some not so good things that were going on. That's a, that's a somewhat talked about sure. assumption that sure. some people have made like speculation. Obviously all of this is speculation, but right. this but is in the this information podcast, that we do have. We suspend disbelief and yeah, we do talk about how dolls are moving around, moving around and climbing up chairs and looking out windows <laughs> Yeah, just to get some extra vitamin D for their day. Yeah. So it was here where the origin of Robert himself became a topic of interest in the community. Hmm. So like I said in the beginning, there had been rumors that the autos, many in particular, were unkind or unfair towards their house staff and that a group of them conspired and used voodoo magic to curse Robert who they then gave to Gene. All sorts of wild details began circulating along with this story. Like when the house staff was caught practicing voodoo and then fired, one Bahamian nurse in particular took it upon herself to ensure that they would get their revenge on the family. So she either found the doll at a store, bought it and then dressed it in Gene's old clothes after sewing a lock of Gene's hair into the doll, and then cursed it with an evil spirit as an act of revenge for years of unfair treatment or like unfair job termination. Mm. So that was a very popular story. Yeah. At the time that this was all happening. Mm. Others speculated that the same nurse knew how much Jean loved Robert the doll that he got from his grandfather, that she knew that this would be a perfect way to sort of sneak attack the family. Yeah. Either way, this nurse does come into 
whoever it is, um, oh, okay. is a pretty big part of this portion of the story. Like people be- really believe that the doll, it, whether the grandpa brought it or she got the doll, mm-hmm. that the reason that it's weird is because she had cursed it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. The nurse that got fired. Yeah. So and regardless. She, she legitimately got fired for practicing voodoo magic. That that's what the reports say. Okay. That's what okay. every source said that I looked at. <sighs> Okay. Yeah. So regardless, Robert certainly was not a normal doll at all. (laughs) (laughs) At the height of the chaos, Jean's aunt came to stay with the family for a visit. Shortly after arriving, the aunt had not only heard the rumors about Robert around town, but she had also allegedly witnessed some of the strange and scary behavior coming from the doll for herself. She told Minnie and Thomas that they needed to get rid of that thing. Even if the story of the curse wasn't true, there was something not quite right about the doll. The aunt convinced Thomas not to throw the doll away because she was worried about this escalating the curse. Mm -hmm. She definitely believed the black magic stories. So instead, she told Thomas to lock the doll away and to forbid Jean from playing with him ever again. Thomas locked Robert in the turret room, and the very next morning, Jean's aunt had a stroke and died. Oh, my gosh. She died a day after. Oh, what? Bizarre. That's, uh, yes. Bizarre is an understatement because (laughs) (laughs) like just, just picturing, picturing the scenario. Mm -hmm. Little boy has a little doll. Little dolls being creepy and weird. (laughs) Our kids have plenty of those. Um, I mean, not a lot of them, but we don't have any Robert, the doll. We don't have any of those, but we, we do have dolls that we don't like all that much. Sure. They make weird noises and whatever. (sighs) And they look a little bit, a little bit too, you know, uh, uh, little spooky. Uncanny Valley kind of. Oh yeah. 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 You know? So it's like, eh, I don't like that one so much, but there are kids and they don't do creepy things (laughs) at this point. So they stay. Uh, but I just think if, for some reason, one day I was like, hey, this one, uh, we're going to go ahead and just like lock it away in storage. <laughs> right. And then I died. Yeah. I mean, just the whole thing just plays out very like nobody likes this thing, but nobody has done anything about it. This person finally does. And that happens. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm just literally re- repeating what you just said, but you're that's processing. How, that's how crazy it is. Yeah. Is some, and it's, and for it to be such an extreme death. Right. The yeah. next day. Yeah. So within a few years, things would calm down and the conversations surrounding Robert, the doll would fade away. Sadly though, Thomas Otto would pass away unexpectedly at the age of 52. Oh. This was a pretty big blow to the community. Despite the craziness and rumors surrounding Robert the Doll, Thomas Otto was loved and appreciated in the community, both for his work in his field and for his generosity towards the community. He apparently gave of his time and finances regularly. Hmm. Then time began marching forward, as it does. So shortly after the death of Thomas Otto, Gene headed out into the big world to pursue his passion, the arts. Hmm. He attended the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago and the Arts League of New York before heading over to Paris. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's actually pretty. He was pursuing the arts. Yeah. yeah. So in Paris, he visited the Parisian Sorbonne, and it was there that he met the woman who would become his wife, Annette or Anne Parker. Hmm. Anne was a gifted and noteworthy jazz pianist with a long list of pretty impressive accomplishments, including performing for the King of England. What? Yeah. Wow. 
So Anne was actually an American. She was from Boston. Hmm. So the pair returned to the United States and settled in New York City for a few years. So this would have been what, like 1925-ish, 1930-ish? Amazing. They were married in May of 1930 and both continued their artistic pursuits with Gene excelling in painting, Hmm. making a name for himself as Anne's career also grew. So all in all, things are going pretty well for Gene and Anne. That is until the summer of 1945. When Jean and his siblings received word that their mother was very sick and likely did not have much time left to live. Mm. Minnie had remained in the family home in Key West, and that's where she would pass away in September of 1945 at the age of 77 with all four of her children by her side. Oh, that's sweet, honestly. Yeah, I'm glad they were all able to make it. So the conversation surrounding the estate, particularly deciding what to do with the family home, took place. Jean's brothers uh, had found great success in their careers far from home, one being in the military and the other being a surgeon, and his sister and her husband were happily settled in their home, so none of the siblings wanted the home. So Jean and Anne decided to uproot their lives in New York City so that they could move into Jean's childhood home, at least for a while. Hmm. That was the game plan. So while Anne didn't love it at first, because, you know, her and Jean's careers (laughs) and lives were centered in New York City— She eventually agreed that it did make sense for them to be the ones to move to Key West. Hmm. Gene's career would take off, and he would become a pretty important fixture in the Key West artist community. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, but all would not stay nice and happy and chill for very long. As soon as Gene made his way into the turret room and found his childhood best friend, Robert the Doll, in the room, it's like he picked up right where they'd left off. He'd become startlingly attached and obsessed with Robert all over again. Oh, that's unhealthy. Robert would sit by Gene's side as he painted. Gene would carry him around. Robert had his own special area of the home with windows and views, and he even had a special chair in Gene and Anne's bedroom. No. That he would sit in at night, every single night at bedtime. Oh, I hope that you would just threaten me with divorce for that, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, so unlike Jean, Anne was not a fan of Robert the doll, even a tiny bit. She said that any time she was around Robert at all, she felt a strange heaviness or darkness, is how she described it. Mm -hmm. He gave her a bad feeling, and from what I could find, she didn't even know anything about his interesting history. She was super put off by the fact that Jean spent more time with Robert, even having full-blown conversations with him. Mm. Anne would seethe with embarrassment when Jean would allow Robert to be a guest at the upscale parties that she loved to throw. And even Anne would begin witnessing Robert switching spots around the house. It's like he's been locked away for like 20 years, but he's still up to his old shenanigans. That's a nightmare. Right. So Jean was also not acting like himself either. He would throw these big tantrums screaming and breaking things, and even pushing Anne if she found herself in the path of his weird and out-of-character rage tornadoes. Very strange. Anne described these episodes as Jean entering a sort of trance-like state that she couldn't snap him out of. When the episodes were over, Jean would suddenly, like, instantly return to his normal self, and he would have no recollection of what had just happened or what he had done while he was throwing a fit. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? That is so creepy and crazy. So Anne was obviously over it. She eventually convinced a very reluctant Jean to lock Robert in the attic 
away from them in hopes that maybe that bad feeling she had would go away Mm -hmm. and all of the chaos would stop. And it did for a short while. Not long after being relocated to a chest in the attic, Anne, Jean, and even guests to the home would hear some sort of like ruckus and scrambling coming from the attic, Mm. as well as the sounds (laughs) of laughter. No. (laughs) Rumors began circulating from children in the neighborhood who claimed to see Robert in the attic window, staring at them menacingly as they walked past the home on their way to school. So Jean... Nope. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So Jean, not believing this to be possible since he's the one who put Robert up there and he didn't put him by the window, was shocked to find that Robert was, in fact, sitting by the window when he opened the attic door to investigate. Mm -hmm. He's like, I put him in a chest and locked it. No. How did he end up in the window? (laughs) Nobody knows. That's... Horrifying. I mean, unless Robert or Gene, sorry, was like in a one of his trances and like locked him Went out. Up and yeah, you never know. Which is honestly still just as creepy. That would be just as scary, one hundred percent. Oh yeah. yeah. So then Robert began escaping. He would be locked in the attic one moment, and then the next he would be in the turret room at a downstairs window or at the bottom of the staircase. He would travel oh. seemingly of his own accord all over the home. This would also escalate and kids and even skeptical adults would see Robert in the various windows around the home, some even claiming he was laughing at them or just generally unsettling them as they passed. Mm. (laughs) This continued for decades. Decades? Literal decades. What? With Gene refusing to give up Robert or destroy him or give him away or anything like that. What? Oh, Gene. Oh, Gene. My guy. What a mess. You. <laughs> and so they kind of just lived with the chaos. Poor Anne was greatly impacted mentally by these things, but just sort of accepted that this was her life. When Gene passed away in 1974, he was laid to rest in a family burial plot that I'm pretty sure was on the property. Despite her disdain for Robert, Anne felt sort of guilty just throwing him out because deep down she knew how much he had meant to her husband. So she bought a heavy-duty cedar chest that she locked Robert in and placed in the turret room where he would remain until Anne passed away in 1979. So the home was then purchased by a woman named Myrtle Reuter, and since Jean and Anne had no children, the furniture and most of their possessions were kind of just like part of the purchase, Mm -hmm. part of the deal. Sure. While they were going through stuff, the daughter of the new homeowner unlocked the cedar chest in the turret room and discovered Robert for herself. She loved him immediately. Oh, no. Carrying him around everywhere and giving him all the love and attention that a creepy haunted old doll could ask for. Oh, Oh, his dream come true. He's like, finally, I've been in here for five years. (gasps) Things were fine for a minute until the little girl began suffering wild nightmares. And the family quickly discovered that something was off with this doll. The little girl would, just like Jean had, blame accidents around the house on the doll. And though her family didn't believe her at first, they too would witness the doll run across the hallway or up the stairs. They'd witness toys being destroyed. And eventually, Robert would even attack the little girl until she ran away screaming. Oh, my goodness. This is scarier than Annabelle. Horrible nightmare. Yes, I agree. They once found Robert perched in a room with a knife laid across his lap. And then finally, so content warning for this next part. Nobody dies, but there is just a moment of very scary and sad violence against an animal. 
So the final straw. The family would walk into a room of their home to discover that their dog was suffocating with a cord wrapped around its neck and the doll sitting nearby. Oh my god! So they locked the doll up. Yes. Weirdly enough, when they moved, Myrtle felt like almost compelled to take Robert with them. Mm. She felt that she like couldn't or maybe shouldn't leave him behind. So when the insane occurrences continued in their new home, Myrtle knew something was seriously off about this doll. So she contacted Key West Art Historical Society and (laughs) shared all that she knew about the doll with them. Yeah. In 1994, he was donated to the society, but the staff didn't want to waste much time with him because they were all pretty skeptical. Sure. They're like, yeah, sure. Haunted doll, whatever. We'll take it. Whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But then weird things began happening. Staff would claim to feel a strange, heavy, almost oppressive energy coming from the doll. Electronics would go on the fritz. Accidents would happen around the building. And word soon spread about the strange doll and the chaos that seemed to follow him. His legacy picked up steam, and he ended up being put on display at Fort East Martella Museum in Key West, where his hijinks would continue, and strange (laughs) stories would come from staff and guests alike. Staff would say that he would be in his locked display case, and then, like, whenever they'd be working near him, they'd feel like that bad, heavy Mm -hmm. feeling, but they would usually write it off. But then they'd turn around and see that he was in a different position or that he had something in the case that was not in there with him just minutes oh prior. Gosh. The most wow. famous instance of this being the story of how the little lion toy in his lap came to join him. So this is like very famous. He's got this little lion figurine with him. Hmm. So apparently this little lion figurine was missing. Nobody could find it. Mm-hmm. It somehow ended up in Robert's lap, despite the fact that his case was locked from the outside. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Other oh. guests describe that same heaviness following them for days after visiting Robert, even the guests who were courteous towards him. So his current caretaker isn't sure what to make of all the legends, but he describes his relationship with Robert as a working relationship. <laughs> they don't mess with each other like directly. Uh, the security guard is named Corey. But Corey wonders if when the security system goes on the fritz or other little oddities happen around the museum, if maybe Robert's the one behind it. Jeez. (laughs) So you can visit Robert today. Wow. But the staff says that even if you're skeptical of the stories, that you should always politely introduce yourself to him and that you should never take his picture without asking him permission first. Apparently, if you don't ask him for permission before taking your pictures, Either your photos won't show up at all, regardless of what camera you use, or a worse fate may befall you. Oh, my god! So if you're rude to him or you taunt him or if you take his picture without asking, Robert the Doll naysayers have allegedly been in serious car accidents following their visits with him or they hit an unexplainable string of bad luck. Hmm. So many people have experienced this that the staff at the museum have received apology letters begging Robert for forgiveness, as well as gifts, like to show Robert that they're being sincere. Oh my God. Fans of Robert can also write him letters and send him gifts. Robert literally receives handfuls of letters, emails, and gifts daily. Wow. Wow. And, you know, if you're feeling if you're feeling lucky, you can even buy yourself a Robert the Doll replica. It's advised that whether or not you believe in the stories, it's better to be safe than sorry, and you should always use your best manners when you're in Robert's presence. (laughs) 
You can also visit Jean and Anne's house that's now a bed and breakfast and is lovingly referred to as the artist house. Hmm. So what's the deal with Robert? Is he the result of a voodoo curse? Are all of the stories made up or are all of the people who claim to have seen Robert in his element breaking things, running off or changing facial expressions? Are all these people lying or paranoid? We may never know. Wow. And well, that is your bonus oh, episode. Yes, that those are two very creepy dolls. Yeah, he loves candy. I Robert that, loves yeah, Rob, candy? Yeah, he loves it when you send him candy. Does he eat his candy? They give it to him, so I'm assuming so. And it just disappears? I don't I mean, I'm that's, assuming so. That's so uh, He gets gifts, he gets letters, and people will read the letters to him and People who come in and are like neener, neener, boo, boo to the doll. And then they have like, yeah, they get broken up with and then they <laughs> get kicked out of college and yeah. their family decides that they are disinheriting them in the same week. They'll write letters to Robert and be like, hey, bro. Yeah. Hey, bro. I'm so sorry. I did not mean <laughs> hey, to <bro>. offend. <laughs> yeah. So people wow. are like, even if you don't believe it, just be nice to the doll. Wow. So, yeah. That I, is the story of Robert I also, and Annabelle. I love the thought of someone, some, a few people obviously have full-time jobs mm-hmm. where they literally watch a doll and read him letters. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, because it's like he's not the only thing on display, but it seems like of well all of be. the things there, yeah. he probably gets the most, gets you know. A lot of attention. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been... Tons of fun, and I can't wait to have nightmares. Yeah, um, this you're gonna. Be, this will be great <laughs> for us. It'll be like the Evie doll, or like the yeah, the look, Bulbasaur, yeah, giant build a bear, something crazy like that. Well, for our listeners, thank you for listening to this week's bonus episode. Uh, definitely unusual, unsettling, unsavory. I am all three of those things with these stories. Unsettled is maybe the strongest, but all three just. Very strong. It's a more posh me. term for freaked out. Yes. Yes, very much so. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss any of them and leave a nice five star review because when you do that, other people find the podcast as well. And make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are on Instagram and TikTok at this one is a doozy and also on Facebook, this one's a doozy podcast. And uh, you can just stay connected that way and let us know in the comments how you feel about this episode. Also, last thing, if you have a personal story, there's maybe a little bit more time left to get one in. If you would email us, this one is a doozy at gmail.com. And uh, we've got personal stories coming out uh, here in the, at, just at the very end of the month. Yep. So, on Halloween. On Halloween. See, but- I didn't know that. That's awesome. If you're listening to this post-Halloween, we are always welcoming listener stories. And, you know, as long as we are getting them, Mm -hmm. when we get enough to make a whole episode out of them, we'll read them. So there's never you're never too late. But if you want to hear yours read on Halloween. Yeah, that's a special. Now's the time. Yes. So send that in. This one is a doozy at gmail.com. And with that, we will see you next week. No. Not next week. We're still doing bonus episodes. We'll see you on Thursday. All month. So we'll see you on Thursday for our regularly, regularly. Try it again. We will see you Thursday for our regularly scheduled episode. 
Yes, we will. Thanks, guys. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.